0: timirandhasya Chakshuran yena shri Prescribed duties should never be renounced. If one gives up his prescribed duties because of illusion, such renunciation is said to be in the mode of ignorance. Purport. Work for material satisfaction must be given up. But activities which promote one to spiritual activity like cooking for the Supreme Lord and offering the food to the Lord and then accepting the food are recommended. It is said that in a person in the renounced order of life should not cook for himself. Cooking for oneself is prohibited, but cooking for the Supreme Lord is not prohibited. Similarly. A sannyasi may perform a marriage ceremony to help his disciple in the advancement of Krishna consciousness. If one renounces such activities, it is to be understood that he is acting in the mode of darkness. On the battlefield, just before the start of a big fight, Krishna... Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is elaborating to Arjuna on Arjuna's request what is tyaga, what is sannyasa, what is renunciation. Here, Lord Krishna says, that which is ordained for one, that should not be renounced. If one does so out of illusion, that is said to be in the mode of ignorance. Śrīla Prabhupāda gives in the example that cooking should be given up by a sannyasi. Nani rag Chakriya, In the beginning of the sixth chapter, Krishna discusses this also. Who is a sannyasi and who is a yogi? Not one who simply gives up connection with fire and with work. This is the general understanding of a sannyasi. Karma sannyasi. He gives up his activities, the activities of a grihasta within the varnashram system. He is he is stops performing the prescribed duties of a grihasta. The grihasta has a connection with fire. The fire should always be burning in his house, generation after generation, the fire will go on. Akhanda-deep, we've heard of the undying light. So that should go on, That, that fire is required for performing yajna should be daily yagya within the home. And cooking, these are activities of the grihasta. But a sannyasi, one who takes karma sannyas, he renounces these activities. He doesn't cook anymore. He doesn't perform sacrifices. He doesn't perform the activities, the the general activities of a even of a Brahmana, he doesn't perform all the general activities. He has the specific activities of a sannyasi. But then, at the beginning of the sixth chapter of Gita, Lord Krishna says that simply by renunciation, that doesn't make one a sannyasi. That the real sannyasi is one. Is the same, same indication that he's giving here. That one who works. As he is obliged to one who, Śrīla Prabhupada brings out the the meaning of this within the context of the full context of Bhagavad Gita, that one who acts for the pleasure of Krishna is the real meaning of a sannyasi and a yogi. What's that verse? First verse in Bhagavad Gita, sixth chapter, Anashrita karma falam karyam karma karotiyah satsanyasi chayogi cha na so one who is not this persistently Krishna in Bhagavad Gita brings up this point that Arjuna's misunderstanding between work and the fruit of work one shouldn't be you have to work but not be attached to the fruit of work, Krishna says, one who works without being attached to the fruit of that work, he is a sannyasi, he is a yogi, not one who gives up work, not one who gives up fire. So again, again at the end here, towards the end of Bhagavad Gita, again, Arjuna is asking, please define more, he seems to be confused still. This, uh, in a nutshell, the, with, with the full purport of bhakti, was defined by Srila Rupa Goswami, which is Anasaktasya Vishayam Yataham Upayunjataha Nirbandha Krishna Sambandhe Yuktang Vairagyam Uchate real vairāgya is to work within this world without being attached to anything in it. How is that possible? That is possible when one is attached to Krishna. So this is the purport of Bhagavad-gītā that Śrīla Prabhupāda threads throughout all his purports. And the envious non-devotees reading this, they say, well, it's just this... Bhaktivedanta Swami's bhakti bias, but it's Bhagavad Gita as it is. That every it's not that as many persons wrongly conclude that Bhagavad Gita is a treatise on karma, jnana, yoga, and bhakti. That's true, but they conclude that then you just you you take whichever one you like, whatever's best for you, and it's all the same. And jatto Whatever you like. It is a treatise on karma, jnana, yoga and bhakti with the conclusion that one should surrender to Krishna. Conclusion is bhakti. And that karma, jnana and yoga if conceived of as separate from bhakti they are paths that are incomplete and imperfect. If one perceives the goal of one's life as simply to perform karma, work prescribed within the Vanashram system, or if one perceives that his goal is to transcend that by cultivating knowledge of one's uh, transcendence to the any position within this material world without positive knowledge of one's relationship with Krishna, then it's all meaningless. Otherwise, karma, jnana and yoga are all worthwhile as defined by bhakti. mat kriya mat-parama. Considering Krishna supreme, if one works for Krishna, that is bhakti. Jnana is very good knowledge of Krishna, yoga, acting in Krishna consciousness, the karma, jnana and yoga, they're all different names for bhakti. They can be understood like that. But if understood differently, if understood as different paths from bhakti, then they are all incomplete and off the mark, off the point. So if one here in this verse, Lord Krishna is speaking about Sanya, simply giving up activities out of illusion. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll just give it I'll, I'll give it up. What's the point? No use. So that renunciation is in the mode of ignorance. Śrīla Prabhupāda gives a purport which most of us reading it will think, OK, but it's actually quite a revolution, quite revolutionary statements which Śrīla Prabhupāda says that Srila Prabhupada writes here a sannyasi may perform a marriage ceremony now this is anathema to pretty much every sannyasi who's ever been a sannyasi since Lord Brahma first sat on top of his lotus and wondered what's going on since the time of creation sannyas means you have nothing to do with marriage marriage is maya Sannyasis renounce all of this. And Śrīla Prabhupāda writes here in the purport, a sannyasi may perform a marriage ceremony. Really? Uh, which sannyasi? Where, where's the, where is that in, in the history of sannyas? Śrīla Prabhupāda writes in one place that never before in the history of sannyas has a sannyasi performed a marriage ceremony. But I did it to help my disciples advance in Krishna consciousness. So sannyas means to be fully renounced, but fully renounced from what? Fully renounced from illusion. And what is illusion? Illusion means to consider anything separate from Krishna. And real sannyas means. Nirbanda Krishna sambandhe. Seeing everything in relationship with Krishna, one can actually be renounced. If one doesn't see everything in relationship with Krishna, then his renunciation is falgu, halka, or light, meaningless. It's it's meaningless because what what are you renouncing? It's, you, you, it's renouncing the illusion of thinking that I am, that this is something for me to enjoy without understanding who it is meant to be enjoyed by. So, real renunciation means to understand fully that there is nothing meant for me to enjoy. Everything is meant to be engaged in the service of Krishna. And thus, a sannyasi is one who Performs all activities, tadarna, all activities for the pleasure of Krishna. Srila Prabhupada even told one of his disciples, this is another shocker for the traditional sannyasis, this disciple was expert in dance and acting. And he used to perform dramas with women in iskcon And he asked Prabhupada, he said, Śrīla Prabhupāda, should I give this up after taking sannyas? Prabhupāda said, that is your sannyas. Unusual. Śrīla Prabhupāda performed marriage ceremonies seeing that his disciples required that that would be helpful for their advancement in Krishna consciousness. He performed the marriage ceremony. Now generally you'd expect that the only thing the sannyasi would have to do with the marriage ceremony would be to break it up. (laughs) Just come on, come out. Get out of here. Don't, don't go for that. But Śrīla Prabhupāda, he saw that his disciples in the Western countries, they were accustomed to living together as boyfriend and girlfriend. Now it's become popular in India. That boys and girls, they simply come together, as Śrīla Prabhupāda pointed out, like cats and dogs. And they live together. In, I think maybe in India they don't live together much anyway. So Srila Prabhupada, you come to Krishna consciousness, you're attracted to Krishna consciousness, all right, you get married. Live like a gentleman, Srila Prabhupada say so this. This uh marriage is there, it's a it's a ceremony within the panashram system to situate one at Uh, a level which is congruous with one's present level of advancement, to situate one steadily in a situation where one is not acting sinfully, not artificially attempting to go to the highest level from which one is not capable to go immediately. And if one attempts to go immediately without actually being on that platform, the result will be fall-down. In other words, if everyone tries to be a sannyasi immediately, that renounce all connection with sutta, mitra, ramani samājī, with society, friendship and love, the result will be not renunciation, but it will be fall-down. Therefore, the Vedic system allows, be married... a little license for sense gratification, but that also under principles which help one to channel one's material aspirations in a manner that will be suitable for advancement in Krishna consciousness. Very simply, that one desires to live with a spouse But do so for the sake of bringing forth children who will be Krishna conscious. One has to dedicate oneself to raising them in Krishna consciousness. And such marriage is far more desirable than the sannyas of those who are not devotees. To be a Krishna conscious householder is far more laudable. Than to be a Mayavadi sannyasi, even though the Mayavadi sannyasi may be very staunchly renounced, but he's not developing bhakti for Krishna, rather the opposite. So, devotees like Srivas Thakur, Ramananda Rai, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, they are worshipable by all devotees, whereas any number of Chidanandas and Gyananandas and all this—we don't care. All this, this, that sarasvati. we don't care for them. They may be highly renounced, but that renunciation is a useless renunciation because it's the, it's the renunciation of something which they never had anyway. The idea that this world is meant for me to enjoy, okay, I'll become very renounced. I won't enjoy anything. But you're never meant for enjoyment anyway. You're only meant for service. So the marriage ceremony, uh, there's another example, marriage and non-marriage. That Srila Prabhupada would... There was one devotee came to ask Prabhupada, I want to take sannyas, Prabhupada told me, get married. Another devotee. My wife has run away and takes sannyas. So dealing individually, whatever is what Śrīla Prabhupāda perceives is required for that devotee. We often hear that one should not be artificial. What does this mean, one should not be artificial? Sometimes it's said, One should not be artificial. This is said, it's taken as an excuse to indulge in sense gratification. Well, I don't want to be artificial. I have this feeling that I should enjoy my senses, so let's do it. But the path of bhakti or any of these Vedic paths, karma, jnana, yoga, bhakti, they're all meant for regulation. If we say, I don't want to be artificial and taking that as an excuse to live like an animal that is a misconception. There have to be rules and regulations followed otherwise one is not a human being. One is a dvipadda pashu, two-legged animal. So the endeavor for advancement always has to be there. But one has to see the level or one may not see Generally, it's not very easy for one to see. Therefore, gurus are there to guide. You do like this, you do like this, you do like this. This is suitable for you. Just like Prabhupada, this devotee coming. I want to take sannyas. You get married. You're not fit for sannyas. Or in the case of that devotee whose wife had run away, it might seem that He wasn't fit for sannyas, but anyway Prabhupada told him, we take sannyas. (laughs) So what is suitable for us? We have to see realistic, realistic, being realistic in Krishna consciousness. On one hand, there's the striving to be higher, aiming for the highest, and on the other hand, realistic. That means we should always be looking up. Om Vishnu Paramam Padam Sada Pashanti Suryo Diviva Chakcharatatam. Always looking up. We don't belong here. We belong in the spiritual world with Krishna. Always looking up. But at the same time, seeing that I have this mundane conditioned nature which I'm attempting to overcome while looking up, realizing that I'm looking up but I'm down here. I want to go up there, but I'm down here. So I should always aim for there, but at the same time realize that getting there means to overcome this lower nature. And it's not very easy. It's easy with some help, but the conditioned nature is very strong, very powerful. The samskara. The, the conditioning according to our previous activities is very powerful. That can be overcome by pure devotional service. That is the whole teaching. Bhagavad Gita. Mame Kam Sharanam Raja. Sarvadham Paratyaja. Mame Kam Sharang Raja. āhāṁ tvāṁ Sarva Poa Papevyo Moksha Mahashucha. Krishna assures us that we can overcome our previous condition, we can overcome our previous sinful background by fully surrendering to Krishna, to him. This Maya is very difficult to overcome, but if we surrender to Krishna, we can do so. At the same time, there is a process Goti, the process of surrender the the process of coming to that stage we should all immediately surrender fully to krishna without any reservation right we'll all agree i hope anyone disagree good so we all agree we should all fully surrender to krishna without any reservation immediately However, our very kind acharyas have kindly given us the process of devotional service by which we can make the determination that I should fully surrender to Krishna without any delay, but considering my own rascaldom, nonsense, accumulated material desires we have to undergo process of purification which takes into account our present situation we shouldn't artificially think ourselves pure devotees those who do think themselves pure devotees they're not pure devotees i only want to serve krishna i don't uh, i i don't want to have anything to do with this material world that's very good but we have to see what is our background are we are we actually ready for full surrender it's easy to say but we are finding that due to our own conditioned background that it's much easier to talk about being krishna conscious than to actually be krishna conscious for for most of us it seems that you know we we may perform various activities for advancement in krishna consciousness but it seems that we have a uh, the perverted pro- proclivity to click back into Maya at any time, or, or maybe it's round the other way. Some occasionally we click into Krishna consciousness. Or <laughs> was that? Uh, Giriraj Maharaj once said to Prabhupada. I'm, I'm feeling. I can't remember. Is that, what was it he said? I'm feeling little bit in maya today. Prabhupada said, you're always in maya. <laughs> That's Prabhupada's kindness to him. I mean, I'm not saying that to, it's to denigrate Giriraj Maharaj. But uh, it's Prabhupada's kindness that he uh, took the trouble to say that to him. Or is that another one? This I heard many years ago. that. I, I, once a devotee said to Prabhupada, that Prabhupada, I am the most fallen. Mm-hmm. Prabhupada said, you're not the most anything. You're simply insignificant. Mm-hmm. So. Seeing what is our position. We want to go up. We're here. Let us go gradually. So sannyasi means he does everything for the sake of krishna One who is fully committed to doing everything for krishna so Śrīla Prabhupāda not only once but many times performed marriage ceremonies and he he told he he arranged marriages Once he came to a temple, he saw all the women were sick, he said that they all need to be married. And he, he came to the temple, he found all the women were sick, he said they all need to be married, and the next day he married them all. <laughs> that was Srila Prabhupada's analysis. The, sometimes the devotee told me that what you, the pure devotee syndrome. I don't want anything, I don't have anything to do with maya. You say like that, but actually it's very difficult to overcome material desires. When I was out of the mercy of the devotees allowed in the door of Srila Prabhupada's house at that time there was a very Strong mood, all the brahmacharis should be brahmacharis. No one should ever get married. It's considered a fall down. So it's a very strong mood, and no one, no one should get married. And gradually, everyone, one by one, they got married. So we came to accept it as inevitable. And nowadays, it's. At that time it was considered something unusual if the brahmachari would marry. Nowadays it's considered unusual if there are any brahmacharis at all in the first place. Especially in the western countries. And then if they remain brahmachari that's also considered unusual. Or to speak of brahmachari, even the sannyasas. Now they've become more strict in offering sannyas but there's this kind of skepticism among certain devotees. But sannyasi, how long will he last? Let's see. One should act according to his position. Then why, we say, that? why did Siddha Prabhupada make so many sannyasis out of young men? That's described in this book by Hayagriva Prabhu Vrindavan days. There was one Paramahamsadas, 19 years old, 18 was it. He asked Prabhupada once or twice for sannyas. Prabhupada gave it, offered him sannyas. Where is he nowadays? Any idea? Haven't, haven't seen or heard of him for a long time. Don't even know if he's alive because so many of our God siblings are passing away here and there. Very, uh, can you imagine? 18 year old boy offered sannyas. Some of them from that time, they were preaching at the time, yeah. yeah. Him and Parivrajagacharya in Iran. Prabhupada was very pleased with that. So, Prabhupada gave that to encourage them. One time he was asked, Srila Prabhupada was asked, why do you give sannyas to such young men? Srila Prabhupada said when the when the subji is ready you cook it. When the, if you if you leave the plant in the field too long it you it becomes you can't use it. So Prabhupada wanted to use their youthful energy and enthusiasm for spreading Krishna consciousness. And sannyasa is a position of respect. He gave Adi Kesha Prabhu sannyas. I think he was twenty or twenty one years old at the time. And he was president of a big temple in New York. Prabhupada said, I'm giving you sannyas because if I don't, no one will listen to what you say. New Yorkers don't listen to what anyone says. And as I was saying, that conditioned nature is difficult to overcome. So even you may be a devotee, but if you're a New Yorker, then you don't listen to what anyone says. That's the general tendency. But sannyasi, okay, you have to do what he says. So, there was another, Srila Prabhupada's servant was travelling with Prabhupada all over the world and falling down wherever he went. Everywhere he went there were some nice young women and he was falling down. Prabhupada found out, gave him sannyas, saved him from his habit for two weeks. So you may ask, why? From the perspective of 30 plus years later, it seems very difficult to understand. But Prabhupada did it, and in the we can say in the hope that they would take that up and take it seriously, and if they did so, that's glorious. As some did. They followed it through all the way. And the result was, as, as a result of what Srila Prabhupada did, he spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. He got personally involved in marriage ceremonies for disciples, which is unthinkable for a sannyasi. He gave sannyas to young men who were... People in India were thinking they are totally unfit for bhakti, what to speak of becoming sannyasis. And most of them fell away. And you may say, well, that, that showed Prabhupada made a mistake. But no, Prabhupada spread Krishna consciousness all over the world by doing that. Maybe we won't want to follow the same policy now. And we're not giving sannyas to young men. We become very strict, actually. In my opinion, too strict. (laughs) But uh, the result was that Srila Prabhupada was able to do the unthinkable of spreading. That That was Prabhupada's intention. That Krishna consciousness should be spread to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. So Srila Prabhupada took some emergency measures. In one purport in the fourth canto of Bhagavatam, Prabhupada writes that now is a time of emergency and there are no properly qualified brahmanas. So it's an emergency measure. We're making brahmanas who are required to give spiritual knowledge to human society out of mlechas and yavanas, which is unthinkable, impossible in standard Varnashram society. But Prabhupada, seeing the emergency situation, he did so. And he was successful in spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world. Srila Prabhupada also told that story of Christopher Columbus when he returned to Europe, Portugal, I think it was. He returned to Portugal and other his rivals were saying, well, he discovered America, but anyone could have done that. It wasn't such a big thing. So Christopher Columbus took an egg and asked them to you stand it up vertically. So they were trying and trying to balance it. It always fall over. He said, "I'll show you how to do it." He took it, just cracked it a little bit, and stood it up. He said, "Anyone could have done that." Then, but now you're saying it. I showed how to do it. You didn't know. It looks easy if you know how, but you didn't know how. So, Srila Prabhupada gave that example in relation to his spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world. Anyone could have done that, or why didn't you do it? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted it. Bhaktisiddhanta Dhan wanted it. But I don't think anyone could have done that. I wonder how many out of Prabhupada's disciples now, if we were put in a similar situation, could we live on the, in the Bowery with the... Among all the, the worst drunkards, and go to an unknown land with with no money, no friends. Books? books. We had a few books. He had his Bhagwat. He had his disciple's Like when I was in Kenya. We could get books. Oh, I see, yeah. He went to Africa, yeah. But there was, there was no institutional support, no one even to encourage him. Are, many were discouraging him that you don't go, why you're going in your old age, stay in Vrindavan. But uh, Prabhupada did that and he went through, he had heart attacks on the way. But he was resolute in his determination that I have to try. It's my duty. Prescribed duties should never be renounced. He, When Prabhupada was asked, why have you come here? Prabhupada said, because it is my duty, my spiritual master has ordered. That was Prabhupada's reason for coming. There may be many reasons why he came. His compassion, definitely these are all reasons, but he's remembering that. My guru ordered, I have to do it. Guru, Jagotea, Krishna Bhakti De Tai Tai. He never thought I'm preaching Krishna consciousness. My Guru Maharaj, he is very powerful. He is spreading Krishna consciousness. I'm simply his servant. He said, I never thought I was alone. My Guru Maharaj was always with me. So there's an example how that one's duty should never be renounced. One has got an order. One has to follow that. If one follows that, one's life will be successful. If one takes the order from the spiritual master, one should know that is as good as being ordered by just like Arjuna was ordered by Krishna. Now Arjuna, he had many apparently good reasons not to fight. His reasons seem very good, but Krishna ordered him, I want you to fight. He fought, he was successful. Successful in the sense that he satisfied Krishna. So we, we have so many orders that we receive, we, or one order that we receive from the spiritual master, it may seem that it's not favorable for my advancement, or I should do something else, or go somewhere else, or think of something else, or do something else. But if we simply take the order received in disciplic succession, and follow that, then our life will be successful. We may not even be able to understand that. Prabhupada's order, he was given the order to preach all over the world, and to others it seemed to him that you better stay in Vrindavan. But Prabhupada found that more important than staying in Vrindavan is to take the knowledge of Vrindavan all over the world. That way Prabhupada was never separated from Vrindavan, whereas if he'd stayed in Vrindavan without taking the order of his spiritual master, then he wouldn't actually have a connection with Vrindavan. Connection with Vrindavan is through the order of the guru received in Parampara. That connection is the service connection. So one can superficially be in Vrindavan But if he doesn't have any service to perform, if he's not satisfying the spiritual master, then his being in Vrindavan is worse than useless. Some devotees, Srila Prabhupada ordered them, go to Turkey, here in Vrindavan, he ordered. And three days later saw them and said, what are you doing here? Well, it takes some time to get visas, this, that. Prabhupada said, go. Of course it takes time to get visas and this and that, but Prabhupada Seems he discerned they weren't serious enough about that. So for them, to be in Vrindavan was Maya because they had the order go. And for them to go to the land of cow killers, blasphemers of the Vedas, that for them was being in Vrindavan. <laughs> What is that? Jekane Vaishnav Where there are Vaishnavas, that is Vrindavan. Where there's the one who's under the order of Krishna, he's always, he's never separated from Krishna. So, I was saying we could, you're saying I should speak on three purports because they're all small, but. You know, one purport is enough for a whole lifetime. Srila Prabhupada's purports, Every one of them has got the whole spiritual world. Right? Just like Prabhupada said, this Krishna Mandir. He saw devotees, they they're coming to Vrindavan and they're going on this Parikrama, that Parikrama, visiting this place, visiting that place. Srila Prabhupada said the whole spiritual world is right here in Krishna Balaram Mandin. You can serve here that The whole spiritual why this is the this is Seva Kunj. Seva Kunj means the place of service. So this is the place given by Srila Prabhupada to his disciples. You come here and you serve the mission of Rupsanatan, Raghunath Sri Jiva, Kopala Dasa Dasaragunath. You serve the mission of the Acharyas here. That will be our connection with Vrindavan. And to give it up. That is in the mode of ignorance. One of Prabhupada's disciples. He was here, and he thinks he thought this place isn't Krishna consciousness. He's not Krishna conscious enough for me. He went wandering off in Vrindavan, and found a better guru than Prabhupada, the fool. <laughs> so, that's an example of tamasaparikeyateha, something that should be considered in the mode of ignorance in the direct shelter of the Prabhupada, the guru of the whole universe. And he's saying, I have to find a better guru, someone who can teach me how to do bhajan better. Learned fool. He was a Sanskrit scholar. (laughs) So he became... By his learning, he thought he knew better than Prabhupada. Became a fool. So there's a prabhupada's purpose in Bhagavad Gita, as it is, the whole spiritual world is here. You can, everything is here, but you have to know. Just like ghee is within milk, you have to ghee you can't see it, you can't even imagine ghee and milk. They seem to be quite different substances. The one who knows this science, he can extract ghee from milk. So, Srila Prabhupada's purports, everything is there. How rich those who know, they can extract the ghee. And what is the process? The process itself is given within the purports that one should adopt the mood of service to Krishna. By which everything is revealed. Yasya Deve yata deve tata Guru, Tasyaite Prakashante mahatman. All the knowledge of the Vedas is revealed to one who has firm faith in Guru and Krishna. This is the way to understand, this is what the Vedas say. How to understand? How to understand what's here? The key is there also. Everything that's stated in Shvetasvatara Upanishad, the last verse gives the key. This is how you will understand. This is the method. Not by linguistic analysis. That may also be the... But only in the mode of service. If one becomes a, a Vedic scholar with the idea of becoming the master of the Shastra. I will understand and use it for my own purposes. Then with every, with everything he learns, he goes further and further away from the real purpose of Shastra, which is to surrender to Krishna. Hare Krishna. Any question or comment about this? Please. Yes. Thank you for nice class. Um, how, how can we um, deepen our appreciation How can we deepen our appreciation of being in Vrindavan? Good question. Let's think about it. Well, I'm feeling, coming here today for the first time after several months, I'm feeling something which to me resembles something that might be called some appreciation of Vrindavan. If one remains a long time, that appreciation may fade away. Everything here is extraordinary. Unless we're in extraordinary consciousness, we may start to see it as ordinary. Living in Vrindavan means we're here to serve Krishna. everything here is fully surcharged with Krishna consciousness. But as we're here chanting Hare Krishna, performing activities of devotional service, we also have our activities of eating, sleeping, mating, and defending, or at least some of those activities. So we may take that Vrindavan is the place where I'm currently conducting my eating and sleeping, if our bodily consciousness is more which often it may be. Devotees who come to Vrindavan, often they get sick, and in sickness the bodily consciousness increases, or feeling the heat. Now the heat is beginning, the hot season is coming in, hasn't fully come in yet. I often wonder, you see, devotees who are committed to live in Vrindavan, but... By around the middle of April, they've gone to Nainital or Europe. You can feel the cold, it's very cold. Taking bath early in the morning in December, in Rindavan. And while you're bathing in the cold water, you can scream, I'm not this body. But it's pretty difficult to realize it. So, unless we're very much in the consciousness that I am here to serve Krishna and his devotees and specifically the mission of Śrīla Prabhupāda, then everything here which is extraordinary, we may start to take it as something ordinary. Therefore, in Vrindavan especially, we're enjoined to... it's It's a great opportunity to make spiritual advancement we are enjoined to take that, that can only be entered into by the mood of the Goswamis who showed us what is bhakti the intense activities of Krishna consciousness. Vrindavan is not a place for relaxing. Actually, nowhere is a place for relaxing. The whole world is a place for absorption in Krishna consciousness. But it can also be taken as a place for sense gratification. And unless one very strongly cultivates the mood of service, then one will start to take Vrindavan as an ordinary place or a, a nice place where I can have a little bit of Krishna consciousness and a little bit of sense gratification. Srila Prabhupada wanted that devotees living here at Krishna Balaram Mandir. He wanted that they should be like the six Goswamis. He wanted that. Now, presumably he didn't expect them to take a few drops of buttermilk only every two days. But the idea is there, that they should be renounced, fully absorbed in serving Krishna. So we can fully appreciate Vrindavan by the mercy of the Vrajvasis. We are very fortunate to be in the shelter of the great Vrajvasi, Śrīla Prabhupāda. Sometimes we think that becoming a Vrajvasi means to wear a short dhoti and don't take bath very often and... Grow long hair and a beard and never comb it, and this, this is becoming a Vrajvasi. Better to become a Vrajvasi following the example of Srila Prabhupada, who wanted that from this temple the whole world should come to know what is Vrindavan. We shouldn't think that anyone has got a, a better understanding of Vrindavan than Srila Prabhupada. We can approach Vrindavan through his mercy. So we can appreciate the culture of Vrindavan, undoubtedly, but know that we have to receive that through Sri La Prabhupada. We can't, there's no, you know, this. Uh, there's no artificial way. We shouldn't think that anyone has a better approach to that than what Śrīla Prabhupada has given us. Mm. How, how can we best preach while being in Vrindavan? How can we best preach while being in Vrindavan? Best, well, up in the archery, Prabhu Jibere Shikai. That, like I was saying, Prabhupada wanted that our devotees would set such an example that the people of Vrindavan would think that, oh, we have to come up to that level. So, by first-class Vaishnava mm. behavior. Of course, by distributing Srila Prabhupada's books is a good opportunity for doing so. By going out from Vrindavan, there's a whole huge area here which... You know, we have centers all over the world, but if you take UP itself, the, the population of UP is more than most countries of the world. And considering how much preaching we have all over the world, there's not that much... Going on in UP, so there's lots of preaching to do. You can sit right in front of Krishna Balaram temple and preach to people all day <laughs> if you want. Srila Prabhupada told Jaiputakamaraj, interestingly, that you don't have to go anywhere, you can just stay in Mayapur and preach to all the people who are coming. He's all over the world. Prabhupada also told him, he also told me that he. He told me that, and on another occasion he also told me that Prabhupada gave him some indication that now he should start traveling. So anyway, both things are there. So many people are coming there. Several of our temples in India, many people are coming, and it's a great opportunity to preach to them. So all the managers can consider how that... Everyone who comes here gets the maximum benefit of exposure to Prabhupada's movement. There are so many things can be done: diorama exhibitions and multimedia shows, and so many different things can. Be. Of course, you have limited space, but anyway, you can think about it. How everyone comes, gets a, a good dose of Krishna consciousness, and goes away more knowledgeable about Krishna consciousness and more and and we can we can uh, ask people to take up krishna consciousness right away here many people from all over india come here and get inspiration and in, come to this temple and get inspiration in krishna consciousness one man i know in south india who's helping us tremendously to establish a center in one place in south india he got his inspiration from coming here as a as a pious but not very pious hindu He came here once. Not very pious means he's a meat-eater and a drunkard. Not exactly a drunkard. He drinks sometimes. So he came here some years ago and he got so much inspiration that when our devotees came to that town, he, he has the feeling, it's completely sentimental, but nevertheless... He has the feeling that he wants to establish something like this in his hometown. So people get a lot, of, in, no doubt, people get a lot of inspiration coming here. But the inspiration, if we can catch people in their inspired moment, give them some association, give them some direction, they can they can uh, go back to their homes and start practicing Krishna Consciousness fully. Even today, many people in India are pious enough that with a little association they can go directly on the right path. There are many people who just took one book or went to some program and then they just took up Krishna Consciousness fully right away here in India. Or, or they visit, they go on some tour, some they go on a bus tour from their village in Andhra Pradesh or something, they go to Bombay and they visit Gateway of India and what's that something ali that that mosque offshore and and then they come to the iskon temple and and that more than anything that has an effect on them they remember that more than anything because they're pious if at that moment you can catch them then they can take up krishna consciousness fully there's tremendous scope for preaching here we're maybe touching 1% of it <laughs> Anything else? Hmm. All glories to thank you for Prabhupada. For bringing so many to, our <laughs> also to, to Thank you for keeping this Gita class going for so many years. I think many devotees here are just temporarily, yeah. Yeah, come here, Bhagavad Gita. Here in Vrindavan once, Srila Prabhupada told one of his sannyas disciples, go give the Gita class. Keep your mind engaged. So if you ever find any sannyasis, You're bold enough to say such things. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of personal question. Is is there any uh, specific instruction that Surakalpa gave you? Any specific personal instruction? Go to Mongolati, chant 16 (laughs) rounds. That's for everyone. I had an instruction in a dream about 2 years ago which I took it seriously. Prashila Prabhupada told me to write books which I'm doing anyway. He told me to, he told me to write he said very specifically philosophical and educational books. So that was his kindness upon me. But these instructions that Prabhupada gave, go to Mangalati, chant sixteen rounds, follow the regulated okay. Ah, uh, no, it's just ordinary, it's extraordinary. It's Prabhupada's instruction to everyone. It is the, he is the guru giving the instructions by which we become free from illusion and enter into the realm of Krishna consciousness. These are not ordinary instructions. We shouldn't think that it's just something mundane, humdrum, everyday. This is the path to the spiritual world. Hmm. Maharaj, you saying that on one hand, uh, we see that our goal is to go back to God, we see our reality, our uh, present reality. <coughs> but on the other hand, you also said that the conclusion of Gita is that if you send it to Krishna, then then all our previous conditionings are taken care of. They're removed by the muscle of Krishna. It's kind of, uh, uh, seems to be contradictory. Seems to be contradictory. We know the ideal. If we surrender to Krishna, we get free from Maya. At the same time, we have to take stock of our present position and go gradually. Well, I, I addressed that, actually, if you're tuned in, or maybe I didn't express it clearly enough. that The path of Sharanagati is given by the Acharyas, ādo Shradha tata, sadhu Sangha tata, bhajana-kriya, sadhakanam ayam prena prādhur bhāve bhavet kramaha. Kramaha means step, step-by-step step process. This is the path to praying beginning with Shraddha. Beginning with Shraddha, then association with devotees, then engagement in devotional activities, freedom, becoming free from anartas, which means sinful activities, sinful proclivities, and then on and on, becoming fixed, becoming having taste, becoming mm. attached to Krishna consciousness, all these stages are there. So, yes, we should surrender to Krishna, and taking account of our material attachments Ruba Goswami Prabhupada on the basis of shastras collected from all the shastras this, this was his service here in Vrindavan collecting from all the shastras and giving the process by which we can very quickly traverse the path from faith initial faith to full love of Krishna very quickly means that we don't have to take thousands and thousands of births. By the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we can very quickly go along this path. So it is instant. Actually. In, uh, what is that? There's Shatapatra Bhedanyai, I believe it's called. The example is given of you have a hundred leaves, which are, and you put—they're all like this—and you put a needle through them. You push it through them all at the same time. It's not exactly at the same time. First, it goes through one, then the second, then the third, then the. But if you push a needle through, it looks like it's practically it's at the same time, though so actually it's one by one. So. Jiva Goswami Prabhupada gives this example to explain how, um, in the Shastra, it often states that one will immediately be free. That by pure devotional service one becomes freed from all sinful desires immediately. Just like the sun dissipates the fog so he gives there are, there are several examples I then shastra if you surrender to Krishna you become free from life so actually it does but there is a process it, it, it is step by step but at the same time within the within the scope of eternal time it's instant so to us it might seem you know Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. It may seem like a hard, long process, but actually it's happening very quickly. Srila Prabhupada he said what was that? He was saying that. Devotees were was what was the example? They were serving, performing various services, and Prabhupada said to them, You do not you do not realize how much you are advancing by doing this. Srila Prabhupada wrote when the first traveling Sankitan book distribution party was started in England, in Britain, Srila Prabhupada wrote to Prabhupada Swami, who started that, that, that you are taking all difficulties, there's no proper arrangement for eating or sleeping, and often it's very cold, and the public, they may not be very receptive to you. But he concluded the letter by saying that you should know that one day on such a traveling party... Is is far more valuable than thousands of years of the yogis.